0: It's Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs, let's start the show with Lewis Tennant, here we go. Guests and
1: interviews that you're looking for with creators, innovators, and so much more. For all episodes and further info, VerbalHighs.com is the place to go. Alright, welcome to Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs, a podcast, podcasted weekly from a kitchen bench in Kingsland, Auckland, New Zealand. My name's Lewis and I'm the host of the show and this week's uh, episode 23 with uh, a man I've known many years, Mr. Andy Pickering, Um, quite an interesting list of achievements as you'll see um, in the blurb either on iTunes or on the site or on Facebook or wherever you found this episode. Um, with such um, with such compelling tags, I just entered into the uh, system as Freemasons, Scientology, Unarius, and Internet Party. Um, just four of the interesting topics we covered, um, three of which Andy's had direct involvement with. One of the other he hasn't. We just kind of ponder it, because it's odd. Okay. Um, yeah, Anzac Day yesterday, so assuming most of my listeners are uh, either Australian or, or Kiwi, um, we all know what that is. I didn't do the dawn service, it occurred to me, I've, this is terrible, I've never done the dawn service. It's not because of any kind of statement on my part or whatever, um, you know, I grew up in a family that did kind of observe a lot of things and, and so on and so forth, but um, maybe because of where... The grandfather was born time-wise, kind of um, uh, dodged both wars, um, don't know a lot about the family history before that, had a dad's side, um, came out uh, from England when he was 13, being the dad, and don't really know much about that side at all, um, just no kind of connection to war um, in terms of um family-wise i guess a lot of people go to um observe that yeah so now i feel about that um what i did feel a little uneasy about is is everything um under the sun being attached to it for that day at all felt a little bit in places like kind of hey we can market this under the less we forget banner um it also made me realize that for better or for worse, um, I mean, I love New Zealand and, and so on and got a sense of history and stuff, but I don't know I'm the kind of patriotic that patriotism's often branded as here. I wish I have a closer connection to sport. It felt like if I was really connected to sport, watching the news on Anzac Day last night, that I'd feel more of a New Zealander. So, um, yeah, and it's a funny day, public holidays are a funny day, public holidays are a funny day if you've got to the, to the age of 40 and, and you don't have a family and, and you haven't had a partner for a while and you kind of wake up and go, hmm, this is kind of an oddly spacious day, you can't really call the friends because they've got partners and families, um, so I went into work for a bit, <laughs> but then I did go fishing afterwards and enjoyed that. Um, do people? I just realized I skipped through a couple of these these intros to other people's podcasts yesterday, and I thought to myself, do people? Do people? Do people listen to this bit? Is it just something you feel like you should put on? I should try and keep them as as brief as uh, possible. Though I do, I did take some notes. I did take some notes about um, this rant. I may have lost them. Um, great episode with Brendan the week before, by the way, and with Tourette's Dom the week before that. Neither of them shared it. I'm Hoping they will. Haven't heard from Dom. Hoping that my um, unbridled, uh, not my, my my not unbridled um, attachment to to Marxism hasn't set us set us afoul. Um, no, I can't find the um, I can't find the notes on Andy's episode. So uh let's just this is a this is going really well i feel if you're new then normally this bit's normally better than this and the interviews are even better than that oh i'll finish with this andy has the best idea so far um when i asked him what perhaps should replace um um our current political system it's very techno futurist anyway like the podcast uh, like it on twitter if you would uh, verbal highs it's at verbal highs for twitter at verbal highs podcast on facebook i need the numbers i need the numbers in this modern world uh, Verbalhighs.com. if you want to get in touch with me verbal highs at gmail you can subscribe through the verbalhighs.com website to the itunes feed or you can go directly to itunes and search out verbal highs all right enjoy the show uh, episode twenty three, woo. So you've kind of you sprung you've, you've come early. So my this, my notes are all in an array, but that's right. We'll kind of uh, we'll freestyle this, but actually you've brought notes, so um, at least some planning's been done.
0: Has anyone has anyone else brought notes? No,
1: no one's brought notes. Really? but I, I kind of like that. You know? Interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sure people have thought about stuff beforehand. I mm. think um I think Russell Brown said he'd had mapped out in his head what he planned to do. Uh, So my guest today on this fine post-Easter weekend uh, Tuesday in Auckland is the founder and editor of both Remix and Pilot Magazines, uh, former editor of Herald, I guess, um, Gossip Column. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. (laughs) Spy, uh, former music promoter and DJ, um... Essential credentials on many of my guest lists. Uh, one-time radio host. I don't mean once, but once hosted radio shows. Uh, currently works for Backchat Media, who appear to be a kind of social media and online um, branding and marketing experts. As general manager, uh, was brand manager for the Internet Party, um, and uh, also a Freemason, I believe.
0: Oh yeah, look, uh, hi Lewis. Oh, welcome. welcome Andy Pickering. Uh, thank you Lewis, yes, um, that's true actually, I was a Freemason. What do you mean you were? Um, well, uh-huh. well the funny thing is, in fact, they say that once you're a Freemason, um, in many respects you are always a Freemason, so I could in theory go to any Masonic lodge around the world and be welcomed in as, a, as a, a member of the Fraternal Brotherhood. And I have a certificate at home, and it's quite a flash certificate, you know, from the, the Grand Lodge of uh, England. And um, so I could go, as I say, to any lodge with my um, regalia, which yeah. I have, which is um, the – it's called an apron, which is what you wear around your waist. It's a builder's apron and a kind of – Because it,
1: like, it came from stone masonry, didn't it? Correct, yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, it seems that it's sort of an obscure... They used to be quite secretive as well. It seems an obscure organisation to be um, aligned with. How did that come about?
0: Yeah, I suppose... Um, you know, I've always been quite interested in, um, uh, you know, things that are interesting, shall we say. And, um, you know, things like secret societies, um, politics, you know, how whatever, all those kind of organisations. And I just thought... You know, why? What? What is there about Freemasonry? So you, what are the Freemason you just joi- you just joined to go in and have a poke no, around. So so the way it worked <laughs> is. Um, Back in, I was doing pilot magazine at the time, and um, a guy a guy who was a photographer yeah. um, approached me because he wanted to do some work for the magazine. And so I, I met him for a coffee, and I noticed that he was wearing a Masonic ring. And so he said to him, oh, uh, Brog, what's? can I ask you about that ring? What's the hmm. story there? And he said, oh, well, I'm a Freemason. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Tell me about it. And he said, oh, well, I can't really tell you about it because uh, we're a secret society and i've made many pledges and blah 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 um and so that kind of uh, fascinated me a bit i guess and you know met him a few more times and um he invited me how he do you break, break
1: through that how do you break through the because if it's a secret society it's like mm. a, it's like a great paradox it's like how do you break through to the
0: other side sure so i i, I believe the way it works is although it's a secret society anyone who fits the criteria which I think is basically you're a, a decent and upstanding individual, blah, You've got have, blah, blah. to have a penis. Yes, although they also have um, female Freemason free right. lodges. There's yep. not many, but they exist. Um, you know, you can go along, and then you just get, uh, I think, nominated by a member and approved, and yeah. and then you start going through the various rituals. <laughs> You, can, is predator. that where the, we, we hit a wall in terms of us talking about it like um, well i actually wrote a i wrote a um, a piece for The Herald about it yeah. um, when i was i was only an active freemason for you know maybe a, a year to two years but uh because here 's the situation right because uh Freemasonry is very much a a dying brotherhood around the world yeah. and the and the reason for that is. You know, younger people today it don't aren't really interested in it. And it is actually quite a big commitment. Um, so if you've got a family, blah, blah, blah. So, and that's the, one of the main reasons I stopped but, but, but what's But what's
1: the commitment? What are you doing with all this time? What's happening in yeah. those rooms? Well,
0: so the commitment is, you know, you have uh, a monthly lodge meeting. Yeah. But if you become an officer or you start going up the ranks there's a, a, a quite a, a near overwhelming amount of ritual which you have to learn so you get this little ritual book and these are ancient rituals from you know a few what sort of things ago. are you what are they well, it's like, are they physical activities oh, are they, it's it's uh, are the, they... the easiest way to describe it is like um imagine you know uh a, a kind of shakespearean type drama yeah And you you physically act these out. and You've got all these rituals to say, these actions to complete, and you need to memorise it all. And the higher up you go, the more there is to memorise. And because I was one of the young guys, they want to promote the young guy's... And, and move them through the chairs. and so I was basically, you know, going to be shoulder tapped to be the master of the lodge, which is <laughs> amazing. It's, which is quite good fun because it's actually, you know, it's it's fun acting out the rituals to a certain extent when you're when you're new to it and you're like, oh shit, this is quite good fun. But ultimately, I was like, mm, do I really want to invest all this time? Probably so not. how long did you say? About two years. About two years.
1: And so, was what was was your headspace through this? Um, This is fucking wacky
0: I'll just keep going Or was it like Were you actually kind of Getting brainwashed Or were you just uh, You know I don't think it's brainwashing I mean at it's heart Really Freemasonry Is just uh, It is just a brotherhood A fraternity In the same way that Say a rotary club Yes You know it's so
1: unlike unlike Scientology where you're progressively paying larger and larger oh no, it's, it's amounts not, of money to uh, find out stuff about what thetan level you are and so on. And
0: exactly right. It's nothing like uh, that. You don't have to pay money. You don't get brainwashed. And I just watched the two Scientology docos last week. Which would be the
1: Theroux and the Going Clear? Correct. Crazy, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely Crazy.
1: Do you know, Um, I listened to a podcast with a woman who's broken out. She used to be on a show, something I never watched, something like King of Queens. Anyway, she's left. She's getting a whole lot of drama from the church. Um, But she said John Travolta's at a level. I don't know if it means I haven't seen those films for a while. Um, He's at a level where he can kill someone and the church will turn a blind eye. And then he basically, theoretically, if he killed someone, he leaves the room. And the people assigned to Travolta clean it up and never speak of it again.
0: Yeah, well, I think, I think that's probably uh, that might be an exaggeration, but it, it would be true, and it would be true for Tom Cruise as well. And well, if it's true, how can it be an
1: exaggeration?
0: It, well, it's true in the, the extent that you know John Travolta and Tom Cruise are so valuable yeah. to the public image of Scientology. But you know, I was talking about this with someone on the weekend, and I think uh, it seems like Tom Cruise hasn't really spoken publicly about Scientology for a few years now, so maybe the reason for that is he's uh, perhaps less enamoured than he was, but obviously he can never speak ill of Scientology because they've been auditing the fuck out of him forever So That's know- the
1: bit that fascinates that, that, to me, that, that you really hit on the cr- cr- crutch of how they 've got them is um, mm. that is ultimate blackmail
0: right mm-hmm. and because Tom Cruise is not stupid, presumably, and N- he is no. Travolta, so no. these guys they must know that um, david what 's his name david miscavige david miscavige they <clears> must <throat> they must know what uh, kind of Power and control and just a nasty piece of work that he is, yeah uh, they would have witnessed a lot of it that, you yeah. know,
1: so no, that 's right, and funny enough, the same thing I was talking to someone about it yesterday, weirdly enough, it came up because they 'd just seen the film, and yeah that 's what I said to them, Andy, is like it seems like L. Ron Hubbard was the sort of slightly well very nutty. Um, you know, he wrote, he's written the most fiction of anyone mm. in, in history that's been uh, published.
0: Very prolific right. science so, so fiction right, So, so anyway,
1: Yeah, right. So this guy uh, yeah, used to do the Penny science fiction magazines and so on. Um, so yeah, the, he, the, there's the guy with the sort of mad ideas and so on. But it seems that whether he was truly sort of evil like Miscavige, I think Miscavige has taken this thing and gone, right, I can, I can now, you know, exercise all my kind of wildest, nastiest, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, the, another thing I took away from it is I, I don't know how... People can be so stupid,
0: but then I was like, that's a little unfair of me. I don't know if it's stupidity or people just looking for something, right? Yeah, that's right. It's not so much stupidity. And look, people are stupid, but everyone has their own motivations and, and everyone is... You know, as humans, we are motivated to search for meaning. Yeah. And we all find meaning in, in different places, whether it's uh, Freemasonry, religion, yeah. uh, drugs and alcohol, yeah. dance music, yeah. or whatever the flavor of the, you know, being yeah. a social media influencer. Yeah. Um, That's right. Mm, yeah. Is-
1: well, our, 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 how we see ourselves in our employment, exactly, and so on. Hey, we'll move to um you and your history in just a sec, but last thing there is um, they've actually just brought... There's a really iconic building um, in Grafton, yes. which they've just purchased. So it sounds to me like it'd be interesting. It sounds like they're really going to try and push Scientology to New Zealand a bit more shortly, right?
0: Yeah, well, they're you know much like the Catholic Church, and I guess to a lesser extent, but they're uh, quite... Very powerful property owners. Yeah, around McDonald's, around the, world. the Catholic Church, Scientology. Scientology.
1: <laughs> <laughs> strange,
0: strange bedfellows.
1: But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so hey, when I first met you, um, shit, I would have been. I, I started kind of coming out to active, probably mainly as a um, probably over the top prize winner. To be honest, um, I don't think you were ever working in the office or anything. And Then I kind of slowly slid into shows. Um, I. S- started going to dance parties around then i was a teenage meddler um and here you were DJ eight at the time um i think you briefly uh you were involved in running biosphere right the smart bar um all ages rave cave yes indeed talk a little bit about all of that man like you know wellington for me that's 96 97 i can't speak to when you discovered all of that but we're pre-internet Um, We're pre-kind of getting everything straight away, scenes and fads and so on. Like, how did you discover all of that, man?
0: Yeah, well, I guess for me, what what year do you think you first made started even walking into active what year would that Actually, have been you know what you i've got all
1: those all those dates i just mentioned are, are, are yeah, wrong I would say that you're, they're you're wrong they're take, wrong They're wrong. i just yeah yeah i'm normally really good with dates so about 93 94 yeah uh, 93 i would have been seventh form and coming up and winning more prizes than one man should and then i think i was doing shows by 94 and definitely 93 94 that would be leon's early parties mm. and stuff so around then
0: yeah, so I, I started hanging Thank, out. Thanks for that. That's all right. I mean, <laughs> I I went to university, I guess. I think um, I'm rubbish at dates as well. But I think my first year of university was probably 1990. Yeah. And I think I went started going up to active in my second year. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's that same old story. You know, you walk into BFM or active or whatever and you get your mind uh, uh, a little bit further opened to you know all things um alternative music and and the culture that surrounds that
1: kind of kindred spirits you didn't know were kindred
0: exactly right and and so at the time you know this is pre-dance music really dance music was just kind of forming and so in in new zealand correct yeah and um you know so as a a radio host if you like doing shows on active before i became a dj you know it was playing the mix of you know metal the early grunge the the early hip hop and you know combinations of all those things and i mean active was uh you know so many good people there one one of my favorite memories of active is you know do you remember that guy adam who was you've asked me this before yeah and i just remember
1: he was super extension i remember he had a job He was a lovely guy. But I remember here, he had a job that... He was always up there in a huge, long trench coat from memory. But he had some job where he'd just be cutting stuff up with scissors all day. And I don't mean I'm naive and he was... Cutting up trips I mean, he, 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 bigger, bigger, bigger pieces of cardboard
0: So Adam was this dude who, who Literally sat on the couch At Active from around 9am To half past 4 every day In his trench coat and his glasses Not saying a lot, my understanding is That uh, he was there As a kind uh, of, work, a, work for the doll Or something? It, it, something like It was more like a diversion So he didn't get in trouble or go to prison Or something, he was kind of uh, Siphoned off to Active <laughs> too, And he did a, I don't know if he did much real work of real use to the station but but he always had um quite a lot of pot on him <laughs> and in particular maybe he um, was cutting up bats I don't in know. particular he had uh yeah caps of cannabis oil yeah and so he'd sort of uh be dealing that on the sly from from the couch at active and people would partake and go off into the the cemetery next yeah. door for a session before yeah. you did your show mm. yes so that's what adam's
1: yeah. function was there
0: correct <laughs> <laughs> and then
1: from doing shows, did you, like me, find yourself at something like one of Coda, one of Leon Baldock's parties? or?
0: Yeah, I mean, when I went to those parties. I was, you know, becoming a DJ around that and parallel to that. Yeah. And I guess probably like you, you know, my first experience of trying to mix vinyl on a Technics 1200 turntable was under the... the tutelage of uh of Moo yeah and you know so you know I was just like a skinny white guy and my I can remember my hands shaking even trying to put a turntable on the platter Yeah, yeah yeah and and Moo would sort of uh patiently say this is how you cue it up and this is how you you know pull the the record back to to where you want to start and this is how you mix and and then maybe it took took a long time to try and get the mechanics of beat mixing down. But, yeah. But you get there eventually, yeah. and, and a lot of us probably uh, over practiced, you know, live on air, maybe when we shouldn't have. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I used to do Death Till Dawns. That would be great. Be me like too. Like one, one a.m. till seven a.m. Exactly. Yeah. And the last of my group I'd drag along would be falling asleep, and yes. it'd be like five in the morning. <laughs> Halcyon days. So I, I used to love tuning into those shows years later and just hearing the just cacophony the of experimentation yes. of youth, you know. Yeah. And I was with, with the Mo thing, I'll just, yeah, just cap that off. I, I didn't really thought about that till you said that. He actually was a bit of a mentor as well because he used to also... Um, considering you know, I was a grommet essentially to use skateboarding parlance. Um, forwarded me quite good records at Troubadour and stuff that normally would have gone to the
0: cool kids. That's that's know. right. So and yeah. we're talking about move from Fat Freddy's Drop, yeah, 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 obviously. Chris, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. So and again, yeah, like Troubadour records um, and all those yeah early early record stores, especially in Auckland, I guess for you know the dance music and Soul Mine with Cayenne and Kil- Kilburnie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but death till dawn's active. Good, then, good so, good
1: times. How, how did that? How did that move to? Because I think before we sort of turn the mics on, you mentioned something or other. Oh, the the rip it up job we'll get to was your first mm. real job. So it sounds like you've been sort of a entrepreneur, sort of type in one way or another since then. Well, what were you doing well, in Wellington and so on?
0: Well, so I, I was obviously at, at university and through active very quickly. Um, you developed a, a taste for dance music and yeah. and then, you know, all the early house or all, all the early techno, yeah. um, and hip hop as well, really. And started DJing in places like, um, Cuba Cuba and, um, you know, the, what was it? ESC before it
1: was ESC? It, w- it was the ESC before it was, oh, it, it was, was, no, it was Ever
0: street club first. Yeah. It was something before that anyway. Yeah. Um, it's
1: had about nine names it, since I've known it. Yep.
0: Yes. And then... You know, one of the first parties or live live events that we did uh, did it with Simon Swain, yeah, and so we, it was called Psychic Droid yeah. at Bats Theatre. So this would be you know ninety two, ninety three, yeah, and it was uh, five different live techno slash electronic acts and five DJs, and I think that was I think that was the first kind of um, live PA live PA techno. Uh, party and and it kind of stemmed on from there then i started living at i got a flat one of my first flats was um above the notorious cadence cafe yes so cadence cafe was you know one of those uh one of the first smart bars or smart cafes um if you don't know what that is you know smart drinks went through uh, well
1: were they Andy, I suspect they were just spirulina with a bit of extra vitamin C, yeah, some milk with, and a
0: banana. With some pretty good marketing, I guess. Yeah. But but you know, new tropics or the idea was smart drugs that would improve your mental yeah. performance and yeah. energy. And yeah. it's probably a crock of shit. But yeah. but you know. Um and, and I think they were really expensive a drink. Fifteen dollars a drink or something? Yeah. And and but weirdly the guys 20 years that, ago? the guys that ran Cadence yeah. He was an old hippie from memory. Yeah, worse than that. This is going to sound like I do. See, this is, again, the cult thing is coming back. and yes. this time, So these guys they, were... They were trippy. They were believers in a UFO UFO Like Scientology style. style. Yes. They thought, yeah, yeah. yeah so the, and the cult, you can look it up. It's called Unarius. Okay. Unarius. It's still going around the world. And it was kind of like, it is like a really hippie, trippy, lovey-dovey idea that there's these ancient alien race unarius were going to come in now i need to make it clear that i did not i was not a believer they just happened to run the cafe and they had an empty space upstairs did, yeah. um where i ended up living for a while and we turned that space into yeah like a was it trojan house
1: what was that building yeah called? trojan house oh my, how does my memory do this <laughs> yeah
0: yeah. So we turned that into, yeah, an all-ages nightclub called Biosphere, which was, again, you know, all those DJs like Coda and Jaden and Martin Kwok and... Conspiracy. Yeah, Conspiracy, you know, me and playing, uh, you know, techno, trance, et, cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what happened with it? So what happened with it? Well, I think we ran it for three months, but... You know, we we were just, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids with no idea what we were doing. We just wanted to throw techno parties. And even though it wasn't licensed or anything, so it was not too many major headaches. Um, I think in in Wellington, there's only so many kids that are going to go to that on a weekly basis, you know.
1: And we did. We did for a while. (laughs) So I I think it ran for, you know, three, four months, something like that. What do you think now, man? Like, I've asked a few other people about this in different contexts. Like, it feels to me like. Health and safety's gone so mad these days that uh, someone would have sniffed that and shut it down within a week now. Or am I, am I imagining that? It feels like there was a lot less uh, yeah, rules I'm, around.
0: Abs- absolutely, there was more of that. You know, it's the DIY ethos yeah. where you just went and did it. And it's also but, because. But I don't think that's a tri- tri- tribute no. in any way to our particular
1: now as a generation. I think it's just that shit's harder. To, yeah. to do now.
0: Well, I think it's also because that, the, that culture was brand new, so the energy and the spirit kind of motivate you to go out and do it. Yeah. Whereas,
1: Though, playing devil's advocate, because sure. I've thought about this, yes. the scale of those events that Leon was putting on at those waterfront sheds, yes. I remember once being outside having a cigarette and watching two cop car, a cop car just sort of slow down, kind of peer around and drive off. Like, I, I just
0: think mm. now... The people, the Authorities would be all over that. Yeah, they probably would. But yeah. you, also, you know, you have to understand that the events weren't licensed, yeah. which makes yes. it easier, yeah. I suppose, uh, to get away with doing something like that. But yeah. but I think you're probably right. Yeah. It'd be very hard just to yeah. uh, rock up and do a 3,000-person How many Portaloos have you got per 100-person? Exactly. Um...
1: So the move to Auckland was made. Um, you've kind of never looked back because you were born and bred Wellington. Where did you grow up in Wellington? Uh, you were a Scots
0: College guy, or Wellington no, College guy. Uh, Wellington College. Yeah. Yeah, born, born in Wilton, then moved to Karori, went to Karori Normal School. Yeah. And yeah, then Wellington College. And then why
1: a move to Auckland? Because the next thing you did from memory um, was you and Tim founded Remix Magazine, right? Was that before or after the move? I'm trying to remember.
0: Um, Quite a bit after. So uh, the the way I moved to Auckland was I'd finished two years of my degree. Still had a year to go, but I'd fallen kind of headlong into DJing and promoting and wanting to do that. And one day I saw a, a... job application I don't know where I saw it but it was for a job at Rip It Up magazine in Auckland and the job was they were looking for someone who could be the receptionist yeah. slash dance music writer, yeah. and now that's quite a specific skill set, and it's, it's quite a specific. Yeah, it is that duo. Yeah, I can't don't know if many many people that would uh, have wanted to do that, but so I applied for that because you know uh, one thing I could sort of do was writing. You got, and got 146 applications, <laughs> four from in and so I remember Murray Murray Kammack came down to, or I wouldn't imagine he came down to interview me, but he happened to be in Wellington and said, oh, I know you've applied, yeah. can we meet? So we met at, uh, you know, Midnight Espresso on Cuba Cuba Street and um, I ended up getting the job. Yeah. So moved to Auckland and this is when Rip It Up were, uh, uh, funnily enough, in a kind of faceless corporate um, office block on Victoria Street. Still a
1: free rag, right? And getting picked up by lots of people. Yes,
0: and, um, and I got a flat up the other end of Victoria Street, which yeah. was... Just typical Scody 90s flat. Yeah. With a bunch Again, of, gone owing to yep. changes in what goes on. Yep. So, yeah, so there was my first 9 to 5 gig, and I sat on the reception desk at Rip It Up. I must have been a pretty shit receptionist. Um, Why do you say that? Just because, uh, you know, again, it's just this young kid from Wellington with a backwards baseball cap. A mess, yeah,
1: but you can tell you're an organized guy because you've got through everything you've got through. I'm, I don't think you are as useless as you probably thought you were.
0: And, and this would have been, you know, probably just a year or two before the advent of things like email. That was going to be one of my next questions. And Google and, you know, Photoshop. So the magazine was still being put together old-school style and we had a phone with a switchboard and And and, a fax. And And
1: I thought of that because you told me that you were doing, like, a scene – correct me if I'm wrong – you were doing a scene rundown for the major cities, what's happening in Christchurch, what's happening in Wellington – Exactly. So, so, was that, was that just uh, get on the landline and talk Talk to. Oh, no, no, get on the mobile. Come on. There were mobiles around. It wasn't that long oh, ago. Oh,
0: I think it would have been. Was it? I guess maybe, yeah. No, there would have been mobiles here. Yeah. But, but the calls would have been really expensive. Yeah. So, you'd make them from the office line. But, yeah, and no, I was literally just, uh, you know, had one of the guys I was talking to was Jeff Wright, yeah. um, who at the time was in Christchurch running Echo Records. So, yeah. he would, he and I think Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, you know, Matt. We haven't we, talked about that, that. Just quickly that, just to be
1: specific. Yeah, you you eventually, after being a, sort of playing all that different style of music on the radio, um, became essentially a drum and bass DJ for a period. So it, this explains the connection to Jeff, right?
0: Yeah, correct. So yeah, and um, you know, I'd be talking to guys like Clinton Smiley would do the Wellington stuff, and and you know, Andy from uh, discotheque Andy and Brad, but. Um, yeah, I guess around then, while I was at Rip It Up, that's when I transitioned heavily into drum and bass. What and happened? Did you see a DJ or go to a party? Or um, I just—I think it was just because the music was so fresh yeah. and full of energy and attitude and I was just like yeah this is yeah. this is this it shit. draws a
1: bit from hip hop it draws a bit from rave music it draws a bit from you know even roots and stuff for sure
0: exactly and so then while I was you know because the and or then Closed, you became a house DJ well yeah later which I, 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 like. I, I yeah. like I like I like. Yeah. I look in my time I've been house DJ trance DJ hip hop DJ yeah. you know you name it well,
1: it's a sign of someone who's got an ear for good music wherever yeah. it's falling so you anyway, know so you met Jeff sounded like we were going somewhere with that well
0: I I was communicating with Jeff, but I guess more specifically, I met Dave Roper, D-Rafe, because the Auckland dance music community, no matter what genre you were playing, was very much centred around, you know, High Street and, you know, BPM Records or Quaff Records. And so you kind of, you knew everyone, all the other DJs and promoters, just from going to those shops and, and hanging out. And, you know, High Street then, as I'm sure you know, was...
1: Much more uh, bu- uh, sort of bustling and alive with a kind of
0: creative scene. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you feel stupid telling it to, you know, kids today and going, oh, High Street's fucking whack, bro. <laughs> but anyway. And good dumplings. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, the way that Subtronics formed was actually, you know, I was actually also hanging around with um, Jungle Dean. Yeah. Um, Dean Benfilm. Dean Benfilm. wonder where he is. Yeah. Uh, probably
1: nowhere, nowhere good. This is such an... And- in, and in, in or not in house, in something podcast.
0: That's right. Who, who's Dean Benfell? Um, but it's Jungle Dean, bro. Long story short, you know, Jungle Dean and I started Subtronics. I heard he's in Queensland. Yep. And mm-hmm. then, and D Rave came on board really quickly. Yep. And we started promoting, uh, you know, international uh, drum and bass acts. Like-
1: now, again, for, unless I'm horribly wrong, um, for people who aren't aware of the history, there wasn't any group in New Zealand regularly bringing in international DJs then. Um, I think you guys were the first, right?
0: Yeah, probably the first to bring them on, bring them in. On I don't a, mean bring them in in general, I mean regularly. Yes, yeah. correct, yeah. exactly right. So the first ones were um, Ed Rush, DJ Trace, uh, Groove Rider, Doc Scott, and yeah. then you know, Goldie, yeah. PFM, LTJ yeah. Bookham, etc., cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah, and I went to a few of those in Wellington, the Wellington versions, I think I just have sold them on. There was a huge one in a shed. With that guy Ian and so on, the big groove writer party. Yes. Um, Ed Rush was oddly at like a little rock and roll bar on like a H- Wednesday night. Set hole on the wall? Yeah, it yeah. was great, great fun. Yes. Um, then off to the breakfast show in the morning. So about two, three hours sleep raving. Um, so again, in hindsight, do you feel like how the hell did I pull that off? Because we so, we so hadn't done it before or was it just the spirit of the... You know, it's a big thing, man. Like again, pre all this technology as well, like you know, logistics, booking flights, accommodation,
0: picking people up, mm. promotion, how much we charge for tickets, da 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 da, you know? Well it's just like anything, you know, you just if you're really passionate about it, which we yeah. were, you know, you just go and do it and you can go a long way on passion and youthful energy. And as long as X amount of people come along and pay the twenty bucks we didn't get rich but you know we didn't lose any money either yeah. so you know you got to say that is a good time Sometimes and you
1: introduced more importantly a whole lot of you know new culture into into Auckland and around New Zealand i guess what do you think these days about um, people who do courses and it seems to there seems to be a there's a huge amount of courses now that didn't exist back then like Um, how how to DJ how to put on an event how to do this how to do that you know you never did any of those things right so no I guess those courses didn't exist well yeah but actually that that was a very good question right (laughs) I was was meaning like you said, just be passionate and get in there and do it. I feel like with your kind of career and stuff, that 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 seems to be almost a mantra, right?
0: Well, I think that, and that's probably one of the secrets to life. Is you know, if if you can, if you're clever or lucky enough to um, find a way to earn an income doing something that you're passionate about, that's probably the smart thing to do. Um, and I don't know if I've managed that all the way through but yeah. I, I suppose I suppose I have as well yeah, yeah. and you know that yeah no I truly believe that's that's one of the the uh the ways you get the most out of life
1: totally so from the subtronics thing you um somehow segue or move into uh, things weren't as segmented then but I guess there still was a kind of drum and bass scene and a house scene I'm guessing you moved there, and then the Remix magazine thing. Did you ever? Did you know Tim Finn at Wellington College? No. This is this is Tim Finn, not of the Finn brothers' fame. For some listening, this is Tim Finn, currently still editor of Remix. Yeah. So,
0: so Tim went to Wellington College, but I think he's like maybe two years younger than me. So he's two years behind. He'd he'd be my year exactly. Yeah. So I didn't know him at Wellington College, but, um, you know, we knew of each other loosely, and then we ended up in Auckland around the same time and we ended up flatting together with, yeah. you know, guys like Sam Maimini. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we we did a few parties together, more like, um, you know, the kind of the breakbeat sound. Yeah. And then I moved back to Wellington for a year because oh. I, I hadn't finished my degree oh. and I thought... Uh, be the smart thing to do would be to finish oh, it that's very disciplined isn't yeah. you, Andrew yeah <laughs> so I went back and finished my degree <laughs> did you finish it you did yeah what was it in? um so, a BA of course yeah um uh, majoring in English and sociology right cool which sociology is yeah. handy for everything you've done oh my partner jokes that it's so lesbian English. studies <laughs> i don't know if it that was be, uh, that was uh,
1: outside of a uh, smart thing that thing was outside Adrian of uh, university uh, yeah
0: okay um yeah uh, so and then anyway so i'm finishing my degree and then um tim calls me up one day and he's like andy you've got to come back to auckland we're going to start a magazine so i was like yeah sweet bro uh finished my degree i'm uh, on the way so that's all he said yeah. and you were like <laughs> yeah well because i was ready to move back and um so yeah, well, you didn't
1: say a magazine. What kind of magazine? Where did you get this idea from? Well, no.
0: I have mean, you found a cheap paper stock? Have yeah. You- no. Obviously, it was going to be a dance music magazine, <laughs> right. and you know he knew that I'd done the <clears throat> the dance music media rip it up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it was quite a good fit. Yeah. And we did. He have
1: any media
0: or print or writing or anything background? Good on you guys. Nice. Mm-hmm. No. But um, so we flattered together. Yeah. On High Street um and yeah we started doing remix and no we had no idea what we were doing yeah. in terms of how to make a magazine yeah. except again gee you can go a long way on uh youth and energy totally. and passion
1: and yeah that's right and almost like i think no, not knowing the pitfalls is almost a strength right yeah, definitely um and again like so i've looked at my um, dem- demographics. You know, my, my listeners, it's amazing what Google Analytics tells you, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, who wants to know people's stream resolution? I guess you do if you design something. Anyway, I digress. Um, so I know from looking at the demographics, there'll be a number of people listening who simply weren't around or, were too more, more um, uh, accurately, were too young when the early remix came out. So describe what it was. Describe the first ones that came out. What did they look like? What was in
0: them? So, uh, and it's in the first years of Remix magazine. It was uh, essentially a free monthly magazine, yeah, but printed on reasonably sexy glossy paper for the time. So, for, re- for yeah, whereas magazine. early
1: rip it ups were newsprint, Correct. and then got a little bit shinier. Yeah, you were on. You were on what was at the time typically paid. Four magazine stock
0: yeah correct and so you know essentially tim designed it yeah i wrote everything and and tim sold the ads yeah and we were djing and putting on parties at the same time and and this is so this is like uh 97 really which is really when the dance music culture took off in a big way we, and then, we, and 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 the weirdly, timing-wise, um,
1: you know, yeah, middle of that year, I started doing the Brecky show on Active, and for sure, it was, mm. you know, we would, we were, we were playing a lot of electronic music,
0: yes. Yeah, so, and uh, and you know, that's... much to the chagrin of the program director at points. Yeah, yeah. And so, I guess that's when I would have moved. From drum and bass heavily into house music. Yeah. And so Tim and I, we did a lot of, um, you know, we were putting on parties all the time. At, but, at bars or like, random spaces? Uh, or bars and clubs? And, bars and clubs. Yeah. You know, smaller scale house parties, especially at Calibre. Yeah. Did, did a lot of stuff at Calibre. Yeah. And, you know, that was quite a, you know, that was a big scene Yeah, in those years for it Auckland. Was, it was like the Kiwi house at the zoo. You had to go in and wait for your eyes to adjust to the dark. Very much so. Yeah, and so you know we yeah lived and breathed that kind of dance music culture for a few years, and you know remix slowly evolved or grew up, um, and then we started doing you know uh, free CDs. Yeah. So we you know a different DJ would put together a mixed C D So now we the magazine's got a, got a cover price though now, right? Surely you're not doing yes. free magazine free C D. Yeah, so that was the the transition from being a free magazine to a paid magazine yeah. and then the C D was yeah. introduced then as the hook to yeah, get people to buy it.
1: Do you think that I think I mean I think that sounds like a really clever move because you know, you're you're a music based magazine and so on. Do you think the C D really Sold it, you know?
0: I think it. Um, it, was mix- it was
1: mixes from local DJs and so on, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. you know,
0: Mikey Havoc. People Kinkton, still have their Smiley, favourite ones, I see it come up Philippa, on Facebook yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. and They were good CDs, you know, put them together, we spent yeah. a lot of time on them. Um, did you license the tracks? We, we, license, <laughs> we did. We licensed yeah. them in the sense that we would contact the label owners yeah. um you know just via email and not even, you know sometimes people would say no um but most of the time people said yes and then you know we still did it through the apra thing so and P- and that was back when even in new
1: zealand um you know i guess tune a good tune on a mix cd could could see a
0: number of those 12s going out the door of local record shops and stuff as well right so it worked absolutely that, yeah that producer And and I think, you know, we were such a tiny little uh, magazine and a tiny little market that, you know, people are like, yeah, you know, they're almost flattered if uh, someone in in Europe somewhere gets an email from someone in New Zealand going, yeah, bro, love this. Can we use it on a mix CD? Yeah.
1: And so what year did it go paid roughly? So it started in 97. You started doing a cover Mm. price
0: Um, 99-ish?
1: Yeah, 99-ish. And did you – what was the response from – because press was still very big at the time um the press industry um was there any uh response from sort of your major publishers and stuff like you know who are you guys or whatever or did they just let you get on with it i think they
0: just let us get on Young with upstarts. it upstarts yeah just yeah. let us get on with it you know and there were a few a few other magazines around then as well you know pavement was pavement. doing well loop. um loop and wellington yeah. Yeah um and then various other kind of free street pressy things yeah and we all was had quite a bit of crossover yeah but quite clearly defined niches yeah. as well we're obviously dance music yeah. pavement were the sort of the slightly older uh yeah you know, st- street culture in general but and, it was and more, g- more general yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah um and so what so I mean, Remix is still going, but from your you know your tenure or your involvement there, um, how how did it evolve? When did you cause it's, were you still around when it started making the transition more to a I don't know what I call it now, a fashion magazine. Um, probably predominantly, I don't know if Tim would say that was my, the correct def- definition for me as other content.
0: But. Well, just I guess as I got older and sort of grew out of you know just your rave pants, nine to five rave yeah. pants, <laughs> and <laughs> it's you know, nine PM to five AM, starting to you know, I was just starting to get more interested in uh, I guess uh, a wider yeah. uh, array of subjects and, yeah, and yeah, a yeah. slightly more sophisticated visual aesthetic, yeah. and I you know tried to put that into Remix um, perhaps a bit too early for that. Where, and, we, where are we here? Yeah, so no, where are we here? Two thousand and six, seven, yeah. right? So it was still a dance magazine purely up till then. No, no, it, it was still very much um, fashion shoots and, right. and the wider culture. But I wanted to do something that was a bit more ambitious, yeah. and so you know, somewhat uh, bravely thought, okay, um, I'm out of here. I'm going to go do a new magazine. Amicable split Andy
1: was is, is that the right word? you and Tim were all good,
0: yeah, I think so yeah, yeah. Cool. No, okay. we're, we're still on on good terms hi, yeah. Tim <laughs> um, and yeah, so I went and did pilot or launched pilot, um which at the time was my attempt to do you know the literally the best magazine in the world, you know, I tried to do a uh, really kind of high end coffee table style magazine that s- ha- so sort of magazines a- people hold on to rather than. than than throw away they had more on their bookshelf exactly something that was collectible and had more of a global uh, outlook um, really high end design and you know fashion um, and some kind of wacky stuff as well it's it's one of those things you know it's really good to be in control of something yourself but the the so down- here we are.
1: We're like we're like with this with this really beautiful aesthetic and so on and, and so forth um, and blah blah blah. But we're we're slightly subversive because I want it to be that way because it's mine.
0: Yes, and, <laughs> yeah. and the problem is the downside <laughs> is if you indulge your your kind of inner instincts too much, you can. Uh, so I end up doing a thirty-two page black and white feature on. Um, you know an obscure subject like fashion versus architecture and that's not that obscure is it or in in this issue which i brought along for you uh, you know uh, it's beautiful looking the fonts and so on yeah a 32 page art visual narrative on the the 2012 conspiracy theory you know just because i thought it was a fun yeah but then we go that's i was looking like and
1: go and someone, someone else was like, what do you call them? A, a thing, a, a group gets brought in to do market research. So Andy, we went to focus groups and yeah. we talked about how many people were into... So as Should you can I, imagine, the,
0: <laughs> the, the the people that enjoyed it and appreciated it were like, oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah. Oh, it's totally. the best yeah. thing ever. Yeah. But that's it's a quite a narrow group of people. Mm. It's not the mainstream. And the other, so pilot only lasted for six months. You know, one of the problems was... But about, know, hang on, but sorry,
1: it, to cut you off, I, I heard that... That's a, that's a real shame because I'm I'm sure I heard that you spent a year just um, gestating it. You yeah. Spent a, you spent a year planning and thinking about what the first yeah. um, edition would
0: be, did right? I, did I say six months or six issues? You said six issues, and then yeah, you said six, six issues months across. Uh, it lasted two years across six. I was going to say, I thought, yeah. yeah, I thought that sounded yeah. too short. And oh, good. So yeah, two years. And out. I did, yeah, I did spend a year kind of. Uh, figuring out what it would be. And, and I guess that was 2007 to 2008. So the problem, of course, is, you know, first issue came out roughly or just around the time of the great financial crisis crash in 2008. Yeah. So not a great time in the years following to be trying to sell magazine ads. Luxury into, items like large glossy magazines. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the challenge.
1: Do you think, I always wonder whether, so those financial crisis, I always wonder whether that's a bit of a sort of a, 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 a media myth narrative so that sort of thing does actually affect so people okay oh absolutely i mean if you
0: if you you know it seems like a long time ago but when that happened it it, literally everyone's belts tightened across all and it didn't happen
1: was that sort of the main you know consciousness announcement of that having happened or that when that that there was actually that was that crash was that around pretty much exactly the time you released yes wow Okay, um, so that must have been fairly terrifying for you. The other thing at the time is, were people around then before the crash even going, why are you launching a new magazine now? Because, you know, technology was what it was even then. It's not that long ago. Or were they still selling?
0: Um, yeah, I think we're in that sort of early transition where magazines or, or print media was definitely in the, uh, shall we say, early, very early stages yeah. of decline. but. yeah. But, you know, certainly not to where it is now. But I think at the time, you know, the thinking was, well, there's still space for um, print media that is not disposable and provides something a little bit extra or a bit special or a niche or whatever it is. And, you know, I'm sure some people would make the case that that argument still applies today, but perhaps less so.
1: Yeah, so I don't know where your your head's at. I mean, it, it seems like such a passion project. I know you won awards for it you know looks and reads incredibly um where where was your head with it all at the end was it quite sort of devastating or was the end like oh yeah it's um this has reached its natural conclusion
0: yeah you know i'm super proud of them i think you know they they stand up well to any other magazine in the world i think they were kick-ass loved it but yeah no i think it just reached its natural course and i could see that so you didn't have a breakdown at the end no not really no that's good that's good to hear Yeah. yeah
1: Um, and then how, I just also wanted to ask um, about Pilot, something else I read this morning is you managed to get it into sort of markets in San Fran and I think New York, Melbourne, Sydney, how does one do that? You, I'm imagining what, you pack a pack a bag with a bunch of copies, you go to those cities, you're an independent publisher and you just go to cool magazine shops and say, well, you stock this? Is that... Is you, it that simple? Um or do you need like a rec- like I, record companies do you need distributors? It,
0: it was only ever in tiny numbers right. in those other countries and it's more like one or two boutiques here and there it's not proper it wasn't yeah. proper distribution. Yeah, but if you want to do proper distribution, you go to a distributor and you say here's my product and yeah. they say yep, yeah. like it and then it's just you know you do that you stay you stayed fiercely indie. Exactly. Um,
1: so, how do you think, in this environment we 're in now twenty seventeen um, remixes survived? I think it's quite a feat that it's still yeah, I think it still it's, arms the shells i I think um, because it 's got a body count behind mm, it, you know mm. of, absolutely
0: yeah. yeah, i mean it 's certainly one of the uh, one of if not the only you know magazine still standing, yeah, and I think the reason for that really is mm. because. You know Tim kind of if you look at Tim started in the nineties and has gone the whole way through, and he's always very good at advertising, yeah, so he has that kind of uh, network of contacts yeah. built in over a long period of time, yeah, and that just transitions across the digital and social media space now as well, so it's it's remix is not just the magazine it's you know the wider tim finn <laughs> yes. yeah
1: well i mean he for listeners who don't know he if you look at the success of dance parties from a from a financial perspective he's, he's he'd have to be our largest promoter i mean he's I, I can only imagine he does very well from his our house parties yeah he's just sort of a, he's a he's a package as you say
0: exactly yeah. yeah so he's you know he's been uh promoting parties the whole way through and yeah. djing so i think they just kind of feed off each other really
1: yeah but then what does that matter to the person in New Plymouth when it's sitting in the dairy? People must still be buying remakes around the country.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure they are to some extent. I wouldn't imagine that the sales are particularly high, but, you know, success sometimes is, you know, it's a, a visual. Per, exactly. It's <laughs> perception, you know. Perception management.
1: Um, and then, so you don't have a nervous breakdown at the end of pilot, which is fantastic. Um, well done. <laughs> um, do you? But at the same time, do you take a little breather before deciding what to do next? Or we must be at about two thousand nine, ten now. Yeah,
0: two, two, yeah, around two thousand and ten, I think. Yeah. yeah, it took a little breather. Um, had a, a son around that time as well. Oh, congratulations! Oh, thank you. I didn't even know that. Yeah, now got, got a little. What's boy. his name? His name is Asher. Hey, Asher. Um, and then. Yeah, wondering what to do next, and again, it's decided to become a tabloid gossip monger. It's just one of those strange turns. When
1: Uh, I saw that you'd got that, I was like, "That doesn't really seem like the Andy I know." But fuck, good on him. mm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's because so my partner Lee. I was living with my partner Lee in um in Parnell where we live today. Yeah, and one of her oldest friends uh, was a guy called Ricardo yeah photographer uh, no no no. thank you Ricardo Simic who still does uh, that spy gossip column to this day and so I think you know Ricardo was that's kind of his world and I think the Herald were looking for someone to replace Rachel Glucina or was there someone after yeah I don't know wasn't she after Uh, you no she was well before Before, uh, I think there was a few stand-ins and then Speaking of perception management, anyway. Yeah, exactly right. Less said the better. Um, So long story short, Ricardo and I, as a team, got that job. I only did it for maybe a year. Was it fun? uh yeah, it's fun you must you get know. lots of tickets to things absolutely you know of, what's the gig the gig essentially is to go lots of goodie bags turning up on the doorstep go go to events with yeah. free champagne yeah. canapes and, yeah. and goodie bags yeah. and, and um you know try and work your phone and so um, when
1: people know you, this is what's so funny yeah. i was just thinking about it now so when people know you do that job they must constantly be whispering gossip into your ear at these things
0: Yes and no. I mean, I think in the <laughs> That's days and so the days that someone, you know, Glucina was doing it. Yeah. But was, by the way,
1: again, uh, clarification for everyone I have offshore listeners, uh, it's Spy. It was a, what would you call it, a, a, a celebrity scoop section of a, our otherwise quite serious newspaper, the New Zealand Herald. Is that yes. A fair? Celebrity gossip and celebrity news. G- exactly. Celebrity gossip and exactly. news. Yeah. Um, good photos. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway so all, all all I was going to say is you know when Glucina was doing it, she was obviously quite notorious for having a really nasty edge yeah shit stirring to her stuff yeah shit stirrer yeah yeah and so but but because there was quite a lot of i guess backlash uh to you know to that style yeah um you know I think the paper recognized that that could no longer continue, so when Ricardo and I were doing it the uh, the nasty edge had pretty much gone and it's really just what is it it's just news about dickheads what they're doing on instagram or where they're how many holiday, pages you know? is it in the paper three two yeah, it's like. was two. it a full-time job uh not really <laughs> I, was, I was gonna ask if it was it's like what do you no. do with 40 hours yeah no it's full job? Time.
1: so you were just it sounds like you were just enjoying a, a a kind of slightly fruity part-time gig while your new son was around and spending time got on one lewis that, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so you didn't end up with death threats or anything like that. No, you, no, you're, no, no, You were no. the nice guy. You've got, I didn't want to look at your list, you've got written there, Australia, 220k, what's that? Oh, oh is no, that this, far too
0: far back? Uh, yeah, too far back, but I lived i lived in Australia for a while as well, Did, did we did uh, remix in Australia.
1: You did, that's right, I remember, I went to the launch party at Honky Tonks. Mm. Um... So we really—it's an interesting topic for for a lot of people. I think um, I don't know if you listen to the podcast I did with Mikey,
0: but obviously he was involved with Mr. Dot as well. Yes. Um, okay, I, so Kim Dot Internet Party. This yeah. is how it happened, right? I'm still doing Spy. Yeah. Through the process of doing just doing Spy, I went to a couple of events at the Then Dot Com Mansion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. As you it, do. Yeah. How and, was it? Fantastic, yeah. Good fun. I mean, you know, that's kind of, it was something a bit larger than life. and Something kind of other international feeling. Yeah. T- totally. And obviously, yeah. you know, Kim is a, a larger than life character and quite a, a, an interesting guy to talk to. Yeah. So I met him a few times and I kind of got the sense that um, I think we, uh, funnily enough, for a gossip column, you know, yeah. we, we broke the story that Kim.com was planning a political party. Yeah. Um, and so I said to Kim, uh half seriously oh look kim if you're serious about starting a political party um i'd I'd love to help just because i thought fuck that'd be a what an adventure well that's what i thought when mikey told me about his involvement i'm like well well, yeah i'd I'd do i'd put that as a
1: story you know something to have done
0: so you know so resigned from spy um And, you know, started hanging out at the dot-com mansion. You were actually hanging out there. Oh, yeah, we were hanging out there. So I remember, like, one of the first times I went out what is there. What does
1: hanging out at the dot-com s- mansion involve? Well, so you can tell me. on.
0: I, so one of the first times we went out there to meet with Kim, just the two of us, and discuss what this might look like. We're sitting at uh, a table inside. We're just having some kind of loose chit-chat. And then he says, "Okay, I'm not going to do his accent." But he says, "Okay, Andy, let's um, let's adjourn to the table outside, if yeah. you don't mind." And I says, "Of course, come." So we walk out to the table outside, which is uh, by the pool. And then he says to me, "Okay, Andy, we can speak freely here because this is the only space on the property where I can be confident we're not being listened to." By... So he thought his house was bugged, or oh, it was bugged? Uh, he thought so, and I would would make sense exactly. Yeah. So who knows what? you know what the real story yeah, is yeah know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, i would imagine I- nsa uh, five eyes alliance etc etc would be keeping uh, close tabs on him yeah um and especially when he's announced that he's going to start a political party. political party yeah yeah um but so yeah so we're sitting at the table and he said we can speak freely here and then th- i think one of the next meetings which again was at this table you know i turned up and there would have been 15 people around the table and I'm like shit what's going on here and I look around and I see Mikey Tucker sitting there and we obviously knew each (laughs) other from Wellington and we sort of locked eyes and gave each other a nod like oh shit (laughs) here we go (laughs) Yeah, and who were they? And so uh, it was a mix of people, you know. It was the cabinet and Uh, the planners. This is very early on. And so, you know, there were various, let's just describe them as various political consultants slash lawyers from around the world, really, who had been in or out of Kim's orbit and had uh, come to advise him. Wow. And so do you think the press in terms of just reporting on
1: his life and so on never mind the court case are unfair on him. Do you think there's a
0: media storm? Um <laughs> yes, I think they were, yeah. but obviously I I think Kim, you know, never really did himself any favors uh, at at the same time, but but of course the press are always going to But I find go that funny him. you have
1: you have so you have people <clears throat> like yourself around, people like Mikey, you know, these experts in these fields. But then I was thinking about, you know, people tapping him on the shoulder. But then at the same time, I think, I'm thinking to myself, I guess that wasn't your job. You weren't, you weren't, you weren't, um, um, brand manager for, for, for Kim.com. You were brand manager for the internet
0: party, right? Exactly yeah, right. You know, and, do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, And, yeah. you know, don't get, you know, yeah. obviously, and then following but, you know, this, go, dude, people like, on. um, you know, uh, Vikram Kumar came on who yeah. incredibly smart, um, internet guy, Yeah. um, and he directed all of the policy, yeah. um, you know, with a few other people. And look, you know, I know people laugh at the internet party today, but but and the, I don't it, know if people laugh at it. I, I think it, I guess they more the laugh at what happened in the the yeah, yeah election imploded yeah 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 during that election. But you know, when we first got <clears> involved, this is pre pre the whole deal with Mana and what happened there. Um, but the the I guess the thought behind it was genuine and yeah. the policies yeah. under Vikram were genuine. I,
1: I did a test online to see which party my, my beliefs and so on and my perspective on society was most aligned with. And it came up internet mana.
0: Yeah. Didn't vote for them, but it came up that. So, yeah, look, it was... Uh, it was in How long did you do it? Uh, I guess it was roughly a year. Was there any of the madness talked
1: about, the sort of um, musicians and so on who've talked about their experience? Were you called in to work at three in the morning, suddenly, randomly on a Tuesday, or did you manage to keep it quite a set of ground rules?
0: I think it was, you know, in the early days we would go out and work from the mansion. Yeah. And then we had... um, Above Real Groovy. An office in town above Real Groovy, which, you know, everyone just kept kind of, I guess, standard hours. Yeah. Um... But, you know, it was an election campaign, and so as the election grew nearer, obviously everyone was working very hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, So we separate talking about,
1: Kim, for a second, the experience of, you know, a political campaign. It is something not many people get to experience. You know, what did you take away from it? Did it change your perspective on politics, on politicians, on the system? Did it make, you know, all those sort of things...
0: I think um, you, uh, one of the things I learnt is that, yeah, politicians, uh, they're all dodgy. I Politics. That's yeah. exactly what Mikey said. I know, I heard Mikey wow. say that, and I, and I agree with him, and I know why Mikey said that. And right. uh, things you can't talk about. Uh, not in detail, yeah. but, but uh, and I think that's it's true around the world, and it's, accru- it's true across the board.
1: Well, why would you crave that level of sort of power and control? It's a... It is you know yeah I, 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 it doesn 't uh, surprise me
0: and I think most politicians uh, uh, you know they they do essentially still mean to do good, mm. but the nature what goes wrong the nature of the political process, yeah. whether you 're having to climb the ranks yeah. within your party yeah. um, do deals, and it 's just uh, politics is just uh, it 's just one of those games where yeah shit I think, I, think I think that's really pragmatic <coughs> and fair, if that's fair of you
1: Andy yeah yeah. so they're not all evil tyrants to begin with um, you go in perhaps even you know um, really innocently with the desire to change but the only ones that last are the ones that get fucking ruthless
0: Yeah, well, I think you need to be. At some point, you will be faced with a a situation where you need to compromise something in order to get where you need to go. Like like,
1: like I believe any position of great power, you for sure. I've said it on the podcast before. People that people really high up that just have to have a body count behind them, with metaphorical or or literal. And then, so what about in a wider sense, politically? You know, even with sort of Trump and so on. Recently, I've joked. I'm Turning into a political podcast, each week which I never wanted to be, but just sort of um, simple question, you know. After after that experience, do you, do you think democracy is still a, a a working system? And big
0: question. in, uh, in two thousand seventeen, you know, that's that's a good question. Yeah. Um, so here's the problem with democracy. If uh, what what is the the best democracy in in the Western world today? What so, well, if the Americans or the U or the UK, I'm not, I think,
1: I think I might, to, to answer that you mentioned America in the first breath, um, I think the capitalist democracy is where democracy has completely fallen over. So America's out.
0: Yep. absolutely, America are, are, are out, and yep. and the UK, United Kingdom, you know, well, so what i'm saying no. is you know both, both, both america and the united kingdom hold themselves up as yeah. standard bearers for yeah. the idea yeah. of of the western West, western yeah. democracy yeah. Yeah. which the general idea is that everyone around the world thinks that's yeah. it's not a perfect system but it's the best one we've got yeah. and yet if you look at you know how then can everyone vote essentially against their interests to get say the brexit result or get trump to become president yeah. and then marketing uh, it's it's marketing. It's playing on people's base fears yeah. and manipulating them. That's what
1: it is. So so we're not. It's not really a free vote in a free system.
0: It it is in that you've got one vote, but the yeah. choices it's it's a bit of a limited choice, really. Yeah. And you know it's that cliche. Well, what's the choice between you know Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump? Yeah. A lot of people were like, well, it's not a great choice. And yeah. It probably isn't really. But the American system, you know. Did you see John Oliver's episode last week on the, no. the gerrymandering idea? No, but I, yeah, you know what gerrymandering is. Uh, I've
1: I've looked it up, and you, to be honest, I'm not going to put myself on the spot here. It's it's some kind of um, what do you call it? Um, Agitating by private interests? No. no, 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 no. It's a vote. No, it's a vote fixing system. Yeah. I'm putting myself yeah. on the spot. What's gerrymandering? I oh, so gerrymandering.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, I'll try. And, now you got to. Yeah, yeah. Now I've got to yeah. figure it yeah. out. But essentially, yeah. it's like um, each state, yeah. like whoever's controlling that state in America. I'm getting this slightly wrong, but it's yeah. it's essentially redrawing the voting lines to. Either exclude or include red or blue red or blue so yeah. you're manipulating the electoral map to get right. the voters that you want
1: and how do you manipulate the electoral map if you're just a party or whatever what's well, whoever's in control uh, oh, so, so, so so whoever's in control changes the boundaries each election to exactly that's see yeah that's that can't be right but but then the, the next thing is there is um, again it's a huge question I mean what what do you what do you change to if it's not democracy, you know? Yeah, there has to be a system where people get a voice. Or maybe democracy just needs cleaning up. I think,
0: I think the, problem, the problem is not democracy. The problem is humans. Yeah. Um, people are very flawed. Humans yeah. are flawed. Yeah. Human race is flawed. Yeah.
1: And Which is why when I had Tourette's on last week and he, he, he said uh, he's very um, sh- shamelessly into the Marxist system, I'm like, well, even in that collective socialist system, you know the corrupt humans will screw it up for everyone because someone will always go actually i will take more of whatever
0: i i think the answer really is probably something like um a really smart group of people yeah. um who are hopefully good people invent uh, some kind of artificial intelligence and give it clear barriers so that it can't overstep but its what boundaries if it turns against us? Well, that's why you give it very clear barriers and uh-huh. that and that essentially is the <laughs> challenge but then you devise a system that is actually inherently f- well let's not say fear because what's fair but the system has to have as its goals um yeah, what is this techno futurism you're presenting me with ab- absolutely everyone, so everyone there, hear
1: this they the- the guy from the internet party eventually wanted New Zealand run by a robot. Well, I'm, I'm going to
0: send out press releases about well, this. All, all I'm saying is humans haven't done a spec. No. We've done. Look, no, in the broader picture of the history of the last 100 years, of course, humanity has. Advanced on every level, lifespans are, are it's all, longer. It's also Poverty destroyed is falling. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we're still we're yeah. destroying the planet and yeah. you know oppressing people. But but the general curve is very positive. Yeah. But how do we keep it going positive? Well, I don't know how do we. And you know, look, look at Trump. Is Trump going to be potentially brought down in the next few weeks? No. Why do you think? I don't know. There's, you know, there's. Uh, Here's the thing about you know people talk about conspiracy theories and fake news and and how that is uh, you know the the natural home of I guess the far right and I think that was true certainly in the in the lead up to uh, the election in the US last year but nah bullshit what about this <laughs> you know keep going you know the, uh, plenty on the left as well but yeah you know there's this whole the whole Trump Russia conspiracy whether it's a conspiracy or not and you know you see the gradual joining of those dots. And the tightening of, you know, whatever the you know the ongoing FBI uh, investigations are. Yeah. whether uh, there's so much smoke, it looks like there's fire. Yeah. What are you saying? Oh, I, uh, Trump will either he'll either you know go down or or not. But who he might go down? But who who will take him down? Well, the, the congressional investigations that are investigating the whole the ties or supposed ties or collusion between Trump's operatives and let's say uh, Russian intelligence operatives, and the you know the the hacking of the DNC and providing it to WikiLeaks, blah blah blah, and all the all the the ties between Kushner and you know, all these Trump guys have really weird backstories involving Russia. Do you think that is
1: unique and limited to Trump, though I don't mean specifically Russia, but that level of kind of backroom, you know, um, corruption and deal making and so on? I've got a feeling, speaking to everything we've been talking about, uh, it wouldn't be a unique Scenario, definitely not. It's yeah. it's the same on both sides. But it's just that more of us are fervently uh, against
0: Trump. That but I guess it's who is the more uh, blatant or self-serving about it. You know? Yeah. Um, what do
1: you, do you What do you think is going to happen with North Korea and the US? That's the last bit of politics for now. Yeah, I don't uh, want to. You know, uh, who,
0: who, uh, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Is it just a, is Trump using it as a distraction now that he's kind of flip flip flopping on everything he said, and now he's Engaging the military uh, his twitter's gone his
1: twitter's gone quiet so it makes me worry that he is getting quite serious and people have said hey just uh, stop mm. with the 3am I, I think it's more because that he's on the on the golf course the whole time you know what's funny for me is I like of all of these um, you know I mean the warfare thing's obviously freaking terrifying but you know economy um, global politics da, da 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 the one thing that freaked me out most about Trump getting in was the environmental um oh, me um, too. The environmental exactly. ramifications. You know, <clears throat> we can't. We can't have such a, a, a grossly free market guy running things.
0: Yeah. Look. uh The environment. I mean. Oh man. <laughs> would you? Uh, let's, let's cheer this up a bit. You anyway, know. Um. Hey.
1: So would you? Would you work at a campaign again? Kim won't do that again, will he? Uh, Is he going to be extradited? Extradited? No idea. No idea. So you haven't had, seen, seen Kad Kui with, with him since. No, not really. Okay. Well, that's an idea. Was an interesting experience. Mm. Um, so from there, you—I um, don't know if you take a bit more time off, but you end up um, with this backbeat. Have you been with Backbeat Media? Backchat. <laughs> Backchat Media ever yes. since. Know them well. Um, Does general manager yes. mean, mean founder again, or did you finally no. go? Oh, I'm just going to take some of the pressure off myself and
0: so uh, a woman called mel lee yeah. uh, started back chat and then um yeah brought, brought me on I, you know we're still i guess like what you would describe as a boutique social yeah. slash digital agency boutique but you got the melbourne cup yeah yeah so we've got some good clients and yeah. we work across uh, new zealand and australia yeah. um yeah some quite big clients in Australia, like Melbourne Cup, and some of the big, um, you know, Channel Ten media. So it's stuff it's, it's over there. on
1: online presence, promotion, strategy. How 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 for perhaps um, businesses who who perhaps are used to operating in a in a in a more traditional pub, uh, publicity medium um, get themselves into
0: that world with the skills of people who kind of know it. Is that fair? Yeah, that's that's one of the things we do is help. Um, maybe say bigger organisations who uh, you know they don't always have a clear digital roadmap or a social media strategy or they might have one that's really outdated and what are really
1: common things you tell people to do and not to
0: do this is for anyone with a personal page too um oh that's that's a a big question okay um, that's fine but you know like so if you're applying it on the individual level you know uh, um, be authentic yep. be consistent yeah um, have a niche yeah um, you know own it so do you get individuals
1: with enough money behind them that they want to they spend money on how to put themselves out on social media like it's, socialites or whatever yeah, I don't
0: yeah. know uh, it's not necessarily that so much as if you flip that you know yeah. we work with what you describe as social media influencers who already have that large audience and social media clout I guess and so then we would help them work with brands that want to engage those uh, influencers Ah. yeah (laughs) so right yeah so I'm using this um lipstick
1: today on my makeup blog 300,000 followers exactly right Yeah. yeah yeah I really quite, I chuckled to myself that, you know, um, what was he called it, um, uh, internet and, um, you know, social media advice and so on, um, that you actually, for everything you've done, especially in the the, the areas you've done them in, you're quite elusive on the internet. So I think perhaps you might have given yourself some of the best advice possible is stay out of the public eye <laughs> yeah it's like
0: you know we, or are you just
1: a low-key dude who well because you you kind of it's weird it's a weird mix you, you know a shitload of people mm. and a lot of those people are out in the public eye mm. but you're sort of a quite low-key dude as well aren't you
0: yeah i used to be really into twitter for yeah. a long time yeah. and i was very active on twitter and look i'm obviously on facebook yeah uh, instagram Snapchat, and yeah. twitter but when you work in social media and this isn't true for everyone yeah. i'm sure but it's true for me i sort of yeah, don't feel the need nah. to be actually... Uh, sh- Look, I read and consume a lot of social media, yeah. but I don't actively yeah. just post oh, as myself. I wasn't myself. just meeting social no, 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 no. media, Andy. I was oh, meeting right. in general. Because
1: like yes. I, 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 I'm going to use the line my, my listeners have heard me use too many times, but I my research is Googling and looking pretty much through the first three pages. Yeah. And um, yeah, you're, you're, you're quite elusive for the yeah. sort of stuff You've done Did you watch any of the uh, Coachella live stream? No, I didn't.
0: Um, it seems I, yeah, that seems weird to me watching a festival from afar. Was it good? I, yeah, look, I, I think it is weird, but at the same time, how cool is it that you can do that? I didn't know you could do that till now. So it was the whole thing. How, but how did, could you go between
1: stages with like pressing buttons? Or? So
0: so Coachella have they have three different uh, YouTube channels? Yeah. And so they're effectively live streams of you know the different stages. So the stream one would be no fee, nothing, just going and just go and watch. And what what were your highlights? So the uh, I mean the only two that I actually what are you doing? Do
1: you sit there like like it's like watching sport? You sit there watching a rave, watching a party with like a beer and a
0: cooler. Sitting on the couch with some popcorn. Exactly, and like one of the <laughs> one of the hashtags, one of the hashtags how, on Twitter was "How old are you now? Was, um, how old are you? Ca- how old? Yeah, you're forty two. Yeah. yeah, there you go. it's how it's all happening one, one of the hashtags was uh, "couch chiller" because couch chiller. you're, you're yeah. watching it from your couch. Yeah. So I watched Lord last yeah, night, yeah. and then I watched Kendrick Lamar last yeah. night. How was Kendrick? Kendrick was. Unbelievable! I got the new
1: album the other day. I haven't listened to it properly yet. So, um, what, was, what was good about the show? Just, just uh, so
0: you know, he was the headliner. So, um, you know, he put a lot of thought into yeah. developing a show with you know a concept and and visuals and telling a story. Yeah. Um, so he had like this kind of kung fu narrative yeah. that ran through it, um, and you know he just played. Uh, you know, sometimes literally like a thirty-second snippet of a big track, or well, up to yeah. a couple of minutes, yeah. but just you know, ran through the the big hits with a lot of new material.
1: Yeah, uh, incredible. And Lord, and Lord, do you get a sense of just how globally famous she is when you see her at something like that? The crowd went mad. Yeah. Think, do you think uh, she's as um, she's uh, as uh, at that level of incredible talent and timelessness as a lot of the hype says about her? Not sure. Neither. Um, I think she's very good, Um, but I, I, when I had friends and so on, speaking of people like Prince and so on in the same breath, I'm like, "Mm, I think I'll let history uh, or the sands of time just decide and let that one play out.
0: Yeah, it's like you know David Bowie famously said about her something like, "When I listen to Lord, I, I hear the future." And now did
1: anyone overhear that or did that come from, where did that come from?
0: Who knows where, where it that's came from. That's a great from. thing, I mean if he did, that's yeah. amazing. And I look mean, it's a nice it, thing to say and I'm, I'm sure he genuinely meant it. And, and
1: if someone like Bowie's talking about the sound of the future then what, what would sure. I know?
0: And I th- uh, you know, she's still very young, I, th- I genuinely think she is incredibly talented. And so, she's so, obviously so do really I, so a, do I, yeah. A, a gifted yeah. songwriter, yeah. but you know, how far she'll go, who knows. I thought we'd just. I've got about five or five or
1: so minute, minutes left, and I thought you'd be a good person to ask about again. It's a big question. You can go wherever you want with it, but you know you've got this. Essentially, your your career's media. It's magazine publishing. It's it's, it's journalism. Um, you know, radio, etc. Party promoting, DJing, yada, 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 Now you're in this kind of social media and internet presence advisory sort of capacity. Um, where do you think? social media's headed do you
0: like is that too broad uh i knew you were going to ask that did you <laughs> i was thinking on my way over i bet he's going to say what are the future trends of social media Yeah. okay, uh, okay. no is it too broad what now? a hack, yeah i mean if obviously if i had the answers then you know what a smart guy i'd be and obviously no one knows but the the broad i guess trends are you know uh, the technology and the platforms are evolving and improving at such a rapid rate that yeah. it's, it's almost you know it's confu- uh, confounding to try and keep up with yeah how and, do you keep up with the back end of it and not just end up reading kind of pr well you, well you just do your best you yeah, know? yeah um but you know for, as one just one tiny example you know the kind of the the Facebook's back-end ad platform, you know, it changes on a, a week-to-week basis, so there's just always new new ways of doing things, new targeting options, capabilities. Is that because they're
1: just, they've got the luxury of being fed the most data in the world, they just have coders constantly and people constantly looking at data and interpreting it and going, we need to do this, we
0: need to do this. Exactly, I mean, it's, it's insane, the, most, the most ruthless business arms race in the world is one of them yeah. is between, you know, these between Google and Facebook, yeah. or between Facebook uh, trying to destroy Snapchat by stealing all of Snapchat's features and pointlessly uh, reproducing them and Facebook Messenger and things like that yeah. and, and why do you think that's pointless? Uh, it's pointless because it's, you know, what is the core purpose of Messenger is just... Hey, know, bro, I'll be over there in 10 yeah. minutes. And so, you know, why they're putting like Facebook stories into Messenger and Facebook just... And they're doing that to stop Snapchat's growth. Right. You just
1: made me realize something in, that I've intuitively done without thinking about it is um, I actually... I'm normally, I normally check anything new out. But yeah, I, that was a level of noise where I, I've just gone no. Too much for me, don't need it, Mm. just need to do this, just need to do that. So
0: I think there's, you know, beautiful technology should be, you know, there's a case to be made sometimes, you know, clean and elegant and intuitive, which is what Apple used to be, of course. Um, Speaking of Apple, okay, so trends coming. Um, VR, obviously, virtual reality. Yeah. AR, augmented reality. Hello, Coachella and VR. And, you know, Apple iPhone 8 will come out uh, late this year, and it's the... It's the 10th anniversary of the iPhone, so it's going to be, the idea is that it'll be a bit of a a special iPhone and they'll, uh, you know, bring in some new uh, improvements or capabilities. That's, come on, that sounds like the press release for any phone. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's it's true, that's true, but slightly more so with, with, with this one. So this might be the VR headset Well, or it's a little bit too early days for Chipping that. But, but Have that, you been
1: whisked away to Silicon Valley or anything like that? Have you gone that close to the source? Uh,
0: not as such.
1: Yeah. Um. So you just, you keep abreast by internet research and so on, but you must, you know, it's mm. so, okay. Um, what bothers me is the, and I this I didn't even know about this till I watched that latest Adam Curtis doco. is the um, algorithms feeding us just stuff yeah. that we want to know. Um, does that sort of bother you that, that we're becoming, we're kind of almost getting blinkered by social media content I, I, I could almost see them rolling that back owing to public outrage I don't know we, we're sort of very, humans are very complacent about, about what social media does not doesn't do at the moment right, we just sort of accept it, even a lot of people who kind of shake their fists at other things
0: yeah, it's... It's, it, it, it's a crazy phenomenon, dude. Uh, look, it really is. And I think yeah. it's, it's just one of those things that there's so many advantages and upsides. Yeah. But, like but anything, then on a bad day, it'll terrify me. There's so many downsides yeah. as well. And I look, I couldn't agree more. So it's, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you read that uh, latest article in the spin-off that was going around yesterday about the a- attention economy and, you know, how... Mm, no, I'll write it down, though. Yeah, I, I had a day off. The, it's worth the a read. Into Whistle yesterday. You know, just... If there's so much competition for attention and we all have you know it's the 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 argument about you know everyone used to be scared that the world was going to turn into George Orwell's 1984 yeah. but in fact it's the flip side it's um Huxley's Brave New World the the crux of that is or well, the, the the idea is rather than big brother watching us which obviously it is yeah. uh we are Amusing ourselves to death So we're surrounded We're surrounded in a sea of Just constant information Incoming streams That it becomes It becomes very easy Just to be apathetic Because how do you care about a Trump crisis one day when there's another one the next day and then the next day and then the next day and you can watch infinite amounts of entertainment on YouTube or... or look, Dave, if, and Dave Roper and I we're, were
1: often PM each other and we we're, we're talking about that. Something came up, I think. Oh, it was the mad butcher being um, purportedly racist on Waiheke Island and so on and everyone was so outraged and and, and, and Andy and I was something like, oh, look, give it probably... 18 hours, maybe 36 hours, it'll be gone. All those outraged people will move on to something else. And I think that makes it very hard to form movements and so on because it's just jump to jump to jump. But I think, you know, summing all of that up, I, 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 I think that we're, that humans, what, it's so new. I mean, what, we'll have a grasp of it all in 20 years. We might start 10 years. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I think we, we actually don't collectively don't know where this is going to all end up. No, we don't, and yeah. b- uh, it's yeah. like but because I, we're radically different in the way we function than we were even ten years ago. That's how I feel. Uh,
0: yeah, I my agree, life but, is different but, because but, of that. But the changes that have happened in say yeah. the last ten, twenty years are probably nothing compared yeah. to the changes that are going to happen in the next ten to twenty. So, yeah. you know, things like uh, you know driverless cars, yeah. artificial intelligence, yeah. and actually, you know, being able to change your your body with you know all all the kind of uh all these technology areas are converging and when you know biotech nanotech ai yeah crazy times uh, as long
1: as we get those doors in star trek that go Shh, yes. i'll be happy i think yes. we'll leave it there man How all right you hey, thank you <laughs> cheers <laughs>